Hi there, friends, and welcome to this episode of Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed Senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Amelie Andreas, and today I'm stoked to bring you all the first ever interview I recorded last fall with the amazing Abhi Rajshekar. Stay tuned to learn how poetry can find its way into a poli-sci thesis as we discuss Abhi's research on citizenship under state-sponsored violence. Now, I wasn't yet the audio wizard that I am today when we recorded this interview, so please excuse any less-than-optimal sound that may or may not have made it into this episode. All right, over to you, Abhi. So, hey everyone, uh, my name's Abhi. I use he and his pronouns, and I come from Trishur, India, which is on the west coast of Kerala. Um, so yeah, I'm a poli sci major. I just graduated from Reed, and the title of my thesis was Constructing Subservience, Theorizing Citizenship Under the Incidence of State-Sponsored Violence. Wow, there's definitely like a lot to unpack or construct there. So what got you interested in state-sponsored violence? Like, is this related to um, things that you learned at Reed or experiences that you had beforehand? Like, take us back to kind of the first moment that you started thinking like, oh, maybe this is something that I'm more interested in, or maybe this is something that I could write a thesis about. Yeah, yeah. So I actually feel like I've had quite an interesting sort of like intellectual inspiration experience at Reed so far um, because I remember sophomore years around when I first started thinking about pieces and at that point I was really into this idea of memory and how memory is constructed in response to politically sort of relevant moments uh, that involve a lot of like conflict between the state and the society in general so like during dictatorships or like when people disappear and how like memories of like those events are like sort of historic like historically altered by the central government and like how this is the distinction between how it's privately remembered versus it's being publicly remembered mm -hmm. so that's what i was into sophomore year but um junior year when I was coming back to Portland, the Narendra Modi administration in India revoked Article 370, um, which provided Jammu and Kashmir with special status. And they placed the entire state under lockdown that sort of um, cut it off from the entire world until about March, 2020. And uh, yeah, um, they had deployed more than 35,000 additional military troops in the region and political leaders were just detained um, without a warrant or anything. So yeah, just given the historical legacy of just violence and injustice that has occurred in Kashmir, I think this time around, like really I could not just afford to watch that happen and just be like a silent witness, you know? Yeah, I want to use like, my poli sci background degree to like maybe write a thesis that sort of looked at how we can think about citizenship in cases like Kashmir and other instances around the world where 
escape and resistance agents like the police or the military that are supposed to provide security at the end of the day, you know, yeah. to inflict violence. Wow, that's a really awesome way to kind of combine your, um, like, political activity outside of the academic realm with this, like, poli-sci background that you have at Reed. That's a really cool way to, like, kind of combine those things. So what did that kind of look like on the day-to-day when you were thesising? Like, how does one write a thesis about state-sponsored violence? Was it focused more on, like, case studies or from a theoretical perspective? Yeah, so this is a theoretical thesis. And I think what was challenging about that was until you are done with your lit review, you kind of don't really have a lot of clarity or because you're just looking at what everyone's saying about what you want to write about and then trying to piece together an argument after what you see out of the lit review. So I think initially it was just a lot of, you know, that uh, dirty sort of like initial research work that you have to do where you're making like an annotated bibliography, you're doing a lot of citation tracing, you're just reading about anything and everything that you think might be relevant or useful. Uh, and then like once my lit review was done, like I was speaking to my advisor and a few other people that study South Asia and are familiar with Kashmir. And they asked me some really great questions like, oh, I'm trying to look at this specifically in democracies or just political regimes broadly or uh, by like state-sponsored, what do you mean exactly? Like how is it state-sponsored and like in what ways has it happened? And like, I just had this one random meeting with my advisor one day where I was just like, oh, I think I'm gonna call this subservient citizenship. And she was like, why? And I was like, oh, it happens because of the erasure of political legitimacy and uh, the absence of political accountability. And then she was like, great, you you have your argument, now go go write your thesis. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it always is good to have um, someone around to ask a critical why every now and then. And it's even better if you pass the why test and then you are free to actually go on and, and take that, that step further. Exactly. Um, other than uh, answering some very uh, pressing why questions, what other kind of skills do you think you build in your, built in your thesis, whether or not that's like related more to the content or the process of just, you know, writing a really big chunk of text. <laughs> semester I was taking Samia this year regarding revision poetry class. And I think that really helped me a lot with my thesis writing because it encouraged me to like take such a completely different approach to how I write, you know? Because I feel before I just had this very perfectionist streak in me where like the product I produce needs to be as close to like the final draft, you know? And I didn't realize that I was putting like a lot of pressure on me, you know, and that was just preventing me from writing. Uh, so yeah, Samia's class like really taught me how to embrace revising my work more, like being more open to that idea and like how, like something what you're putting like energy and passion into, like it's always like an evolving project. And, I feel like that I was able to really translate that into 
my writing. So I think I have a healthy relationship with <laughs> writing now, for, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I think you just learn a lot about yourself in terms of building resilience and working hard and just following through even when you think you can't do it, you know? Mm, yeah. I think I'm not, it's, you have to write a piece to sort of have those emotions, you know, like just have those experiences. And like, yeah, I think you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about how to persevere and remain resilient. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's definitely different when you're scaling up projects to this level than just, you know, writing a paper for Hume 110 or something. Like when it's your, you're almost like a full-time job <laughs> writing a thesis for the whole year. Yeah. And that's really awesome thinking about like uh, how writing poetry can, can transform your ability to write more serious things like that. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how that poetry class impacted your writing. Are there like, like if I look through your thesis, will I see some more poetic language or is it more just in like the process behind the writing? my prefate as a poem <laughs> because oh. I, I need to include a poem because um, Mariella, my first reader, she was like, she wants to know more about Kashmir because she found that to be the most interesting part about my thesis. And mm. So I wanted my preface to be a little bit more personal, you know, and I thought like poetry just really captures what people think about the life they live in Kashmir and just how they see it, you know, and I wanted to give space for their voices. Wow, that's so cool. What poem did you end up selecting? Like, what was the connection to your um, final paper? Uh, it was called Siege by Amit Banzai. Hmm. And it was just talking about how desensitized uh, the people living in Kash Jammu and Kashmir have become too violent and how prevalent mm. it is in their lives. So he was talking about how they're like just tires burning in the streets and like people are always getting ready for war and that there's just no food or um, no opportunity and the quality of life overall is just pretty um, pretty low. Wow. So yeah, that's why I chose that poem because I felt like it just really fit well with like my overall uh, thesis topic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with such an emotional topic, it makes sense to like have um, this poetry intro that like captures a little bit more of that emotional language to like really connect with the people who are reading your thesis on a different level. Did you have any other like unexpected challenges, especially dealing with subject matter that, you know, is kind of maybe a little bit close to home? Yeah, um, I actually had like a major writer's block for pretty much all of the spring semester mm. um, because, yeah, because it's so, it's like such a big passion project of mine in a way. Uh, like I was just, terrified of like being able to like use the words to like do it justice or like produce something good enough that yeah uh do the justice so yeah I just wasn't able to write for about four weeks I might say in January February yeah and 
I think one of my meetings with my thesis advisor, I was just like, I can't write. Like, can we, can we just talk about how uh, uh, he can maybe help me overcome this writer's block? And she gave me quite a few helpful tips. Um, and she also, again, stressed on the importance of revision, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, <laughs> uh, which I think helped a lot. Uh, What's the most helpful tip that you got just for, you know, any of our listeners who might be starting out their theses and looking at some uh, some future weeks of writer block in their, their next year ahead? <laughs> yeah, something I really appreciated was how uh, Tamara was saying that when she's struggling to write about like a new article or like a new idea or like something new that she has to produce she just takes down a bunch of flashcards and goes along stream of consciousness and just writes whatever is in her mind and after that she just lays them out and then looks at them and like tries to make the patterns and the connections and you know refine those stream of consciousness thoughts a little bit more uh, and uh, I had this little journal uh, that I was just like okay let's use this for pieces so yeah I like made a checklist at the beginning and I was like okay I know these ideas or like these points need to go into each section or like each uh, chapter and when I was just having difficult moments writing, I would just yeah take my pen, just write down whatever I was trying to say in my journal, and then just being able to like look at it and see it spatially just helps you mm-hmm. rearrange them and see them in like a different way. There's some good tactics in there. Um, any future senior should be taking notes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So all these organizational tactics in the end, did they come together? What was it like those last few weeks when you were kind of bringing everything into like a final thesis? Oh, it was hectic. <laughs> <laughs> it was hectic partially because uh, I was taking four and a half units this semester. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's that's brave. Uh, also, more advice to any future seniors not take four and a half units. <laughs> Get those units done in your freshman year. Yeah. So partly because of that, but partly mm. also because um, I think the spring break that week really put a halt towards all the momentum that I sort of mm. during thesis. And like since I got a taste of what post- grad life could look like during spring break mm. I was just like can I just graduate already <laughs> <laughs> let's just move commencement a month forwards it'll be fine <laughs> yeah so I think that and you know just the overall fatigue of spending a year at Zoom University and Zoom classes yeah. in a pandemic as well that didn't help exactly yep yep but I got it done in the end. It's just, uh, it was maybe if I had been better about managing my time, it would have been a little less hectic. But that is all over now. Yeah. You were you were free of the thesis shackles. <laughs> what what ended up being like the outcome of your project? Um, uh, like uh, from a theoretical perspective, what did you kind of end up contributing to the conversation or how are you planning on taking this further? This is 
definitely an original contribution because uh, this is something that at least in the research I've done so far, I was not able to find in the literature. So uh, I'm definitely introducing this as like a new idea that sort of needs to be talked about in just citizenship studies broadly. Uh, so I'll be starting a PhD at the University of California, Irvine in September. Ooh, congratulations, it's so Thank exciting. You. Thank you, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is probably just gonna be my research uh, for my PhD. And since I use Kashmir as like my case study, I'll probably end up going there to do field work and stuff. So um, yeah, hopefully I get to keep working on this for six more years. Um, wow. <laughs> that is definitely your thesis informing your life after read. Like you're really just like keeping going in the same direction. That's so cool. So do you have any plans for this summer uh, before you start your PhD or is it just going to be decompressing um, before getting back on the academia roller coaster? I'm definitely decompressing <laughs> for a month. <laughs> I've already enjoyed week one of not having to do anything. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is beautiful. Uh, I actually get to cook whatever I want. Wow. Take whatever I want. And go on bike rides. Yeah. It's been great. Um, cool. That is so awesome. So you are having a little bit of a break, decompressing, and then back into this PhD work. Uh, so did you like always know that you wanted to go do a PhD or was that something that um, you kind of stumbled upon uh, during your like thesis project? It's definitely something I stumbled upon during thesis. Um, I think until mid-junior year, I thought I'd be going to law school. Wow. Um, and yeah, yeah, going into law what I thought I'd do but and there was a brief moment where I thought maybe I just want to stay in like the local grassroots organizing sort of mm. realm uh, in Portland but I've been quite involved um, in, with a lot of community engagement here uh, but I think COVID has changed a lot of things and mm. Being an international student, uh, yeah, there's just going to law school, you don't really get financial aid if you are an international student. Mm. And yeah, we all know that it's not a great economy to find jobs in <laughs> at the moment either. Yeah. Uh, so I think like thesis being so fulfilling for me and just the stability that comes with like a six-year PhD program like that mm -hmm. made it seem like a very attractive option after read. Yeah, no, read definitely does have a reputation for um, producing PhDs. So at least, you know, you're in good company. So to finish off the interview, do you have any last thoughts or um, advice or final thoughts on either your thesis topic or just the read experience in general? I think the read experience in general, it's, it was definitely one of the hardest experiences of my life, 
that I I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, it also feels oddly gratifying to see that all the hard work you put in comes with tangible results, uh, especially if you've been putting in all the work um, across the four years. We're all so smart here. Like at the end of four years, we literally produced like, our own books you know, that are published and mm-hmm. stored in libraries. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just very gratifying at the end of the day. Thank you so much, Abhi, for sharing with us your process, pro tips, and poetic preludes. It's been a pleasure. And thank you as well to all of our listeners who took the time to tune into this episode. I hope you'll join us again to hear from more alumni and students about what it means to burn your draft. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Amelie Andreas. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiga. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member and class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast start by alumni Henry Gotchlik and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.